Alright, welcome to another episode of Comedy Keys. Today we are sitting down with Adam Brooks, who is an alum of Second City Cleveland and Art Barn Community Theater here in Boston. He is currently a music director at Improv Boston. Hey Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. This is awesome. Uh, great. So, I always love to talk about someone's background and how they came to music directing in the first place. So tell us a little bit about your, your backstory. Oh man. Um, well, uh, I guess it really, it, it started with, uh, improv Boston over 20 years ago. Um, I grew up, uh, uh, right in the neighborhood. I grew up out in Wayland. And when I was a teenager, I discovered improv Boston and got to see the now, uh, improv Boston veterans kind of work their stuff. Uh, including sort of uh, the the original godfather of uh, of uh, music direction uh, here in Boston, uh, Steve Gobain, who you know I now count as a very dear friend, and uh, I saw him as a teenager, and I saw Improv Boston sort of weave its magic here as a teenager, and I thought it was one of the most magical things I'd ever seen in my life. Like, dude, I love playing piano, I loved improv, and it's just like I want to be doing this. So, uh, finished high school, went off to college. Uh, got into an improv troupe in college and tried very, very hard to uh, to get my troupe to sort of adopt musical improv. Um, it was not something that they that they were all super into at the time because they were it was uh, it was it was theater sports at the time. We were sort yeah. of adopting a theater sports model and uh, tried to do that. We got in a little bit of music uh, and then right before I was due to graduate college, I got an email from. Uh, I got an email from someone who sort of uh, uh, called like the Fred Sternfeld list, which is basically like the, the equivalent of like what stage source is here um, uh, out in Cleveland. And at the time, uh, Second City had a theater out in Cleveland and they have a, um, a training center and a group had just graduated from their musical improv training program and they were looking for a music director. And I just thought, like, oh, my God, this is such a cool opportunity. Like, I, I have to go out there and at least try this. So I had a friend drive me out to Cleveland, and I auditioned for them. And they uh, and they said, like, oh, like, oh, I'm, like, fantastic. Like, like, oh, do you know Irish Drinking Song? I'm like, yes, I know Irish Drinking Song. Um, and so I, I played for them. We played the games. And they said, great, we'd love to have you on as our music director. And I asked them, great, what's it pay? And they said, nothing, but you'll have a great time. You know, <laughs> such is yep. the case with, you know, music direction. Oh, the eternal artist struggle. The eternal artist struggle. So I just thought that was, at the time, you know, straight out of college, such a cool opportunity. So I came back to Boston and over the course of a week, threw my entire life into the back of my car and without an apartment to land in or a real job, I drove out to Cleveland solely based on the prospect of being the music director of an improv troupe. And that's sort of what got me started in musical improv in the first place. Um, that group fizzled, but it led to me, uh, working at Second City Cleveland and sort of starting me, um, under the, uh, under, under the tutelage of, uh, David Schmoll, who was the, uh, who was the music director at Boom Chicago, and now it's, like, back in the States, but, um, he started with my tutelage sort of understudying the Second City Cleveland shows, and that's how sort of it all got started. Wow. And, uh, let's talk about piano in the first place. So how did you, uh, how did you get into piano? Started playing when I was six, just like uh, most people. Uh, had a run of some very bad teachers, who I didn't really click with. When I was twelve, I got um, my I, I got the teacher who I would sort of have through my entire middle and high school uh, career, and he was the one who introduced me to to jazz music in the first place. Because I think that one of the things that frustrated me a whole lot when I was you know when I was younger and learning this stuff is. 
uh, you know, like I think most people do when they're really young, their teacher just wants them to read the notes on the page. And so one day I just remember coming into my uh, piano lesson and I'm saying, Steve, I want to learn how to play jazz. And he was just like, oh, like, 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 okay. And so he, he taught me a blues scale. He taught me a basic blues progression and my whole world changed after that. Cool. Uh, so you actually touched on something that's sort of, I feel like probably a more common problem than people acknowledge, but is, is finding the, the piano instructor that, that you click with. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. So tips, tricks, you know, what, tell us about that experience. All right. So, so I, I currently work as a, uh, music and improv teacher at a middle school and I have many, many feelings just about the nature of teachers, especially when you're trying to learn piano. Because uh, so many times uh, when you're looking for a music teacher, so many music teachers only know how to teach piano the way that they learned it. You know, that, that's the way so many kids sort of quit their lessons when they're so young because the teacher is just trying to teach them in the way that they learned rather than helping the, the student connect with music in a way they really want to um, through the piano. So, so how do we fix that? <laughs> um, you, you fix that by, I mean, by having better teachers. I mean, I, I know it's, a, it, that's not really an answer, but, uh, you fix that by ultimately we, as the students, uh, I think more often than not, not always, certainly, but we as students, like we know what we want to get out of our lessons. You know, uh, there, I have, you know, talked to many students before who say like, like, well, what do you want to get out of lessons? And some of them just say, I want to be able to play the songs I love off the radio. Yep. And that requires a different approach and different lessons than someone who says, I want to be able to play like Rachmaninoff like a professional. You're like, okay, great. That is a completely different set of skills and a completely different approach. And I think that even just knowing what you want out of your piano skills, um, what you want to be able to do is so helpful for any given teacher to hear because then the moment you can advocate a teacher can say okay i can help you get there or i don't think i have the skills to get there in which case you can you know go and find somebody else one thing that i think comes to mind when i think of your playing is that jazz and blues influence uh, that you mentioned mm -hmm. um so let's talk about that what what do you love about it what excites you about it i mean i just i just i i love the fact that it is always my music like it is always my own voice it is my own instincts it is my own uh my own choices and language coming through in the music i think everyone is is working towards sort of building their own musical language their own personal musical language that that best exemplifies them and i think that's why it can be so much fun like you know listening even to other mds uh do do their thing because i know that if i go to see a show with um with you know, my buddy Steve on the keys, who I think you've had on the show before. Uh, my... uh, Steve Gilbane or uh, Steve Sorrow? Steve Sorrow. Yeah, Steve Sorrow was on for uh, episode three. He was our second interview guest. I yeah, think like... Steve Gilbane will probably be the next episode. So. Uh, oh, very cool. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I love both of them. And uh, when you go to a show, you know, like, you know, improvisers have, have sort of their own style and their own language, and MDs equally have their own style and their own language that I can, you know, I can listen to a show, like a recording of a show, and even if like the MD is sort of off screen, because as we so often are, you know, talk off to the side, you know, uh, I can very often tell 
who's on the keys just by the sound of the music. That like you know by by the energy of the playing or just like the different vocabulary they're using, like, oh yeah, Steve Sorrow's on the keys for this one, or oh yeah, Gil Bain's on this one, or oh yeah, Scott Itzvan is on the is on the keys. Um, I just think that's so cool to be able to have have that unique musical language and uh, and be able to share that with the other improvisers and and you know communicate in the way that we do in shows. Cool. Yeah. Um, so how would how would one go about developing their sort of musical language? Um, uh, play play a whole just like learn 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 and play 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 play. It's just like you know I mean it's just like us you know developing our voice as adults like in, in our artistic voice or our literary voice. Um, writers, musicians, whatever like you know we 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 talk a lot, we play a lot, and ultimately we just find. Um, we we find over several several iterations that our uh, that our particular uh, word choice, our particular intonations, our particular um, uh, cadence and rhythm stuff, it all just becomes very stylized to us. Uh, you know, some you know ideas just tend to stick to our fingers better than others, and I think that sort of uh, helps you develop um, uh, helps you develop your language. You know, like I know, like for me, um, you know, when like. I, I, I like metaphor a lot. So like you know like in, in, in kindergarten we say you know like like you know the uh, the dog chased the squirrel up the tree, and when we're starting uh, as as MDs you know when we're playing a p progression it may start really easy. You know that's where like yep. started you know just like I hit a dime. Yeah, simple <laughs> one six four five. Um, just using block chords and, and very straightforward. Um, you talk a lot more. By the time you get to middle school, uh, it might uh, you know it might turn into something like um, you know like the la uh, the the Labrador eyed the squirrel with darting eyes and uh, and instantly gave way. The dog the dog darted across the lawn and 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 uh, chased the squirrel until the squirrel scampered up a tree. And you know musically it goes from what I just played into something a little bit fancier. Gets a little bit more flourishy, a little bit more fuller. Um, you know, I exchanged a, exchanged like a two for a, a two chord for four chord or the other way around. Um, and then like eventually, again, you just like you talk more, you get more refined, you get more refined, and eventually you get like a full paragraph of flowery and beautiful descriptors of how the dog uh, how the dog chased the squirrel up up the tree. Um, I could try to improvise that now, but I'm just gonna do it musically because I can do that a lot better. Um, and then eventually you just get to something that is uh, that just sounds fuller. You know, and uh, yeah, you just learn how to make it fuller, more ornate, more uh, learning like different vocabulary to basically say the same things. So what I'm learning from this is I'm about in middle school right now. <laughs> And you know that that can be a great if awkward place to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. sure is. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, yeah, I teach middle school. I know how awkward it can be. Cool. Now, uh, just out of my own curiosity, what was in that that last iteration? You even mm -hmm. like jumped up to some of the black keys, did some passing tones in there. Like, what mm -hmm. kind of stuff were you were you throwing in yeah. there? So, uh, 
it was still, uh, if I remember, yeah, like, so I had a, so I had my one chord, you know, uh, just, you know, just, just descending in the bass down to the six, to the five, and then as an ending to flat six, to five minor, which is also sort of a flat seven, okay. to a one. And again, these are just sort of like, uh, fun interjections that don't necessarily mess with the harmony in any way. Yeah. Like, you're still going to hear that dominance, but to, you know, to get it to resolve, it's just an extra little bit of harmony that I know isn't going to uh, yeah, mess too much and still easily and naturally get you back to that home key. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's just like, it's part of the vocabulary, right? Like, I know that I can add that and not mess with an improviser's ear too much, but it will still sound more uh, musically sophisticated. Yeah, I like to I like to learn one thing from every episode, or like steal one thing from every episode. So I think that's going to be the one that I take away. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so yeah, from that dominant. Uh, uh, well, I guess. Yep. Yep. Nice little passing thing. Cool. So now I've taken lessons with you in the past. Yes. Uh, which yes, you are my me... former student. Yeah. Uh, one which, of my favorites as it happened. Aw, thanks. Truth, yeah, truth. Um, so one of the greatest things I think I learned with you was was improvising over the blues scale. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm like I'm hooked. Yeah. Um, I I you know we'll throw a couple blues riffs into just about every show. It's at, it's so fun, and there are like a billion different uh, sort of generic blues riffs that you can learn to yeah just pepper any uh, anything. Yeah. So let's let's dive into some blues because like I'm a I'm a big fan. Big fan of the blues. Um, and I take it you are too. Uh, oh, always, <laughs> always. So uh, let's let's talk about I guess your typical. Uh, should we start with a typical twelve bar and kind of yeah, go out from there? Standard, sure, it's typical standard. Um, all right, do we do we want to just review what we're talking about, like uh, for 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 those listeners? Yeah, you know? yeah. Because yeah. who knows? We could have people who are brand new beginners here, and we could have uh, people who are, you know. You and Steve Gilbane and whatever. So, all right. for all audiences, yeah, let's all right. let's let's start and review the basics of a of, of a twelve bar blues 12 bar scale blues. and the progression. Okay, fantastic. So, um, we'll start just by saying, yeah. So, um, the blues is sort of like your ba- uh, uh, basic uh, basic improvisational form. Um, it is it uh, consists of a uh, you know the uh, a root chord a one. Let's just keep it in C because it's easy. Um, it uses uh, a one chord once. You know, one, uh, the four chord, and the five chord. And we usually uh, pepper it with the seventh, so we usually have like a C, we have C, E, G, and B flat, and then your four chord, F, F, A, C, and E flat, and then the five chord, uh, G, uh, G, B, D, and F. So uh, in a 12 bar blues, you just use that uh, one, four, and five chord, and uh, your standard blues is uh, you have four measures of the one chord. Three. Then that's the fourth. Then it shifts to the four. Then to the five. Then to the four. Then maybe a turnaround. And that's your basic 12 bar blues. Um, uh, ones and fives and fours, and, and let's talk about uh, some of those other notes that you threw in there too, because mm-hmm. I think that's something that might catch a lot of people off guard. Is like it wasn't just the notes of a C major or uh, you know your F or your G, right? 
So uh, for your uh, for your standard blue scale, um, and this one, like again, it will vary a little bit depending on uh, who you ask. But uh, your, your your standard C major scale, do re mi fa sol la ti do, just riding up the white keys. Um, uh, for a blue scale, you have if you start on your C, consider that the one. You have a flat three, E flat, regular three, uh, E. Uh, sometimes people like to throw in the four. Um, a four can be, a, you know, uh, you can throw in the four or not, really. I think most people don't throw in the four. Um, we'll throw it in just for, just for fun. Um, uh, flat, uh, flat four, F sharp. Five is your G, and then B flat is your flat seven, and then back to the one. So the whole thing. Or if you leave out the F. I like it. I'm gonna keep in the four for now. I like yeah. the four. I'm a big fan of going the the five flat five four down and over like Yeah, that oh that sound. I just love that. Idea of yeah. just yeah, just having that bank of notes and literally any combination of those notes that you do is pretty much gonna sound good over that twelve bar blues. Yep. That we played before. They're, and they're, so just just now what you're doing is just throwing those root chords, just block yep. or yeah, yeah, just, various just, versions just, of those in yep. the left hand and just mm -hmm. doing individual notes in the right hand. Right? Yep. And you know, generally there are there are uh, three combinations, some of which I can do better than others. <laughs> is you know, uh, left hand sort of just vamping the chords. Um, you can do left uh, left hand doing just a walking bass line. While improvising, uh, improvising with your right hand over the top of it. Yep. Um, that one I have not done in a while. I would probably sound pretty sucky with that. <laughs> um, but that's sort of number two. And then number three is one if someone else is soloing, being able to do that walking bass with the chords. Walking bass is just walking up those seven chords, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Start with it's, the it's root. a very, very easy way to yeah. One, three, five, six. Da, 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 da. One, three, five, six, five, seven. Da, 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 da. Yeah, just nice. using uh, yeah, just using those chord shapes to sort of uh, provide you with the bass lines is a really easy way to get into that. Cool. Uh, so let's let's talk about throwing this into an improv show because um, it's it's super fun to sit and jam on the piano with a blues. Mm -hmm. um, but so what? 
how does that work in an improv show? Especially if you're talking like song structure. I think the 12 bar blues is a little different structure. That's that's its own improv uh, improvisational structure, I think. It right? is. Like, g generally speaking, if you're going to do a blues in a show, um, it follows a very specific form because most of the time when we're making up improvised songs, things exist in um, in, in, in couplets or in, or in pairs that lines, uh, that stanzas are either, uh, you know, they're, they're four lines long or they're eight lines long or they're two lines long. Um, but having things that are, uh, because it's a, it's a 12 bar blues, having sort of three lines of stuff can be a little bit weird. Basically what they would do is they would take uh, the first uh, the first four bars of a 12 bar blues and treat that one as two shorter lines and then treat the second and third lines as a, as longer lines. So um, just 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 as an example, um, if we were to do a blues song about say like buying a new car, So yeah. something like that. It's like two shorter lines and a long line and a long line. So it's sort of a way to morph the 12-bar blues into a, a cheated four-line thing. Um, so that's sort of one example of how that could go. Let's talk about what else we can do with the blues. We've yes. got, so we've got your 145 covered. What else can you throw in there? I mean, there are... Uh, once you've got your standard like 145, there are... And again, this sort of goes more into uh, music theory a bit, but um, there are like other chords that can fit in there that sort of, you know, like you still keep your, uh, you still keep your, your, your blues scale as much as you want. And um, then the other chords that kind of make their way in there, and again, this is getting a little bit uh, music theory, harmony, yeah. nerd, nerdy, technical. Great, do it. But, um, uh, you know, you end up having, one, uh, your one chord, and most often the chords that end up, uh, you get uh, six chords sneaking in there, you get two chords sneaking in there, and you get five chords sneaking in there. So it may, uh, sort of a, a further evolution of the blues, you may get something more like this. Um, in, and also, like, instead of having the first uh, four bars of a 12-bar blues all be the same, uh, you might get an additional four thrown in there. So uh, one evolution of the blues might end up sounding more like this. Fancy endings in there. You know, you've got your standard. Yeah, always a fun ending. At like either going dun, 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 or from the that's from the bottom or from the top. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, nope. That's better. Yeah. So finding those little patterns that are um, yeah, just more fun blues riffs to sort of end with, uh, and adding these like. Uh, these sort of secondary dominant chords that sort of function as function as passing chords, function as sort of like interesting places for the uh, for the piano and the ear to go 
um, as we're sort of uh, grooving through this. Market. Well, okay, so let's let's move maybe from blues into jazz a bit, right? Okay. Because uh, there, there you're getting more of the major sevens, if I'm showing. Uh, my... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you can't. So, um, so the blues, yeah, was pretty much all about the dominant sevens, and jazz sort of took that all up a notch by finding uh, like all sorts of other like you know just awesome sounds in there that moved well outside the one, the five, and the four. Um, you know, uh, delving into minor sevens, delving into uh, like augmented, augmented and altered chords. Um, digging more into uh, more into diminished and sort of interesting combinations and progressions of chords that go well beyond the one, the four, and the five. Um, um, you know, going into like like all all your two fives um, that you know, pick. Uh, practice at Berkeley is just like you know getting getting all your major and minor two fives through you know all the major and minor keys um, just so you can like have them right there at your fingertips um, you know it's building vocabulary again yeah. so um, yeah it's just basically learning learning all of these new words in the vocabulary I guess and learning all the different sentences that you can build with them and then and eventually building your own um, I just threw those together in a random order, but uh, you know, in the same vein as like you think about a blues scale, sort of being like, all right, you you have the the notes, you have the sort of uh, vocabulary, just put them in any order you want, and sort of see, you know, and see how it sounds. So now we're talking about jazz, and we're talking about we talked earlier about sort of embellishing those basic chord progressions in mm -hmm. a way that improvisers can still follow. Mm -hmm. So let's. Let's talk about like musical singprov, right? With Let's jazz, mm -hmm. uh, how do you keep your improvisers following you in that case? Because I feel like jazz can be very, it can be very all over the yeah. place. Yep, that's absolutely right. So, I I try to use the same uh, the same types of progressions that I would use in a in a pop style or or really in any in any other style. Um, but just and just making sure that I am leading into any uh, leading into any um, harmonic changes in an instinctual way. So uh, whenever I do play, you know, jazz, you know, uh, like a jazz thing, if I am using substitute dominance, if I am using like funky passing chords, I always try to make sure I bring it back to um, you know that root chord. Uh, uh, the root chord, the subdominant chords, like either a two or a four, uh, oops, four and the five. Yeah. You know, I always keep those things uh, uh, in there to sort of anchor uh, anchor the improviser, so that they always sort of have a place of where they are in a progression. And 
if I make sure that they can hear that, they're going to sound good. We're all going to sound awesome. And then I can sort of play in the spaces in between. Nice. Yeah, is that, I don't know. Is that too theoretical? Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes sense? a lot of sense, yeah. right? So okay. just kind of making sure that they still have that tonal center. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sort of knowing that uh, an improviser, you know, likes to hear that tonal center like on the downbeat, and that, like as long as you can get that thing on the uh, on the downbeat or or around it, then they still have the anchor. They can still play, and then you just sort of fill in flourishy, beautiful, uh, beautifulness around that, and um, and yeah, everybody's happy. So any closing thoughts you want to leave folks with? Oh, man. You know, I think that musical improv is one of the most magical things that there is. Uh, I think that it is one of the coolest things an improviser can do to just, you know, make up, uh, make up some musical awesome on stage, be it, you know, song or otherwise. And I think, you know, being, being an effective and supportive and resourceful and versatile MD, someone who you know, has just played a ton and who has all that language to kind of give improvisers like a really cool sounding, fun, energized, um, and rich bass, you know, uh, you know, on which to stand and just sing something, you know, mind blowing for the audience is a really, really cool thing. And, um, yeah, for, for, for all the MDs listening, um, like, uh, yeah, just, you know, just, just keep rocking and keep learning, keep trying to be the best musician you can be, um, both for yourself and for the improvisers who are playing with you. And like, it's, uh, um, yeah, I just find it endlessly rewarding. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on today, Adam. It was great to have yeah, you. Thank you, Scott. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you.